All right. Welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. I'm Christine Backus, your host. This is like episode 39, something like that. And I am really excited to have somebody very special on the podcast with me today. And that is James Denica Lavers. And hello, James. Thank you so much for being part of this. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me. I think we're going to have fun <laughs> just judging by our little run up to getting ready for this. So, um, I want to say a few things. Well, I'll introduce James in a mom moment, but I want to say, actually, I want to introduce James, and then I'm going to tell you why I wanted to have him on the podcast, and then we're going to go wherever the heck we go. We don't know yet. Um, James is a business coach. James makes gurus, and it's James Denica Lavers. He is uh, the founder of LazyCoach.com, which was one of the very first things that attracted me to the business. And uh, he specializes, I would say, from my experience, in helping people be authentic and helping people be themselves and letting that authenticity create gurus. And so well, I'll, I could say a little bit more about him in a moment, but that maybe can give um, uh, the foundation of why one of the reasons I was so excited to have James on with me is that we are in this transitional age. We've got a lot of Aquarian energy and Aquarius is about authenticity. That's one of the primary um, indicators, delineations, meanings of Aquarius as being authentic. And the way I describe it um, is that the more authentic you are, the greater gift you are to the collective. And so it's such a timely topic and I hear authenticity popping up all over the place. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, James. And of course, uh, let me just say a little bit more about what I know of you and my experience of you, and then we'll sort of dive into this crazy conversation we're about to have. Um, I know that your background is 20 plus years in helping people get out there and, and connect with other people, also known as marketing, and that you started in the shopping television business, which is such a fascinating place to start, right? Very different maybe than where you are now, but also these great tools that you've come with. And my experience of you and why I have just been, it feels like such a gift to have worked with you and be working with you, is that you don't tell me to do something that doesn't feel right. In fact, what you do, um, based on my experience and what I've seen with you, is you're always pointing people back to what works for them and how they can be more of themselves. And so that's kind of my introduction about why I was excited to have you on, because it's so timely. And I just think what you do is so, it's such a gift in a world where most of us have brought, been brought up to try to look good according to somebody else's standards or to try to operate according to somebody else's standards. So I'm going to yeah. shut up now and see what else would you like people to know about you and your business? And maybe you can even tell us how you, like, what's your story about how you got to this authenticity? Yeah. Well, thanks for the introduction. And um, it's interesting hearing you talk about my, my, distant background in the infomercials <clears throat> obviously you can hear by my accent hi everyone by the way um the you can hear from my accent i'm based here in the uk 
in a, a little tiny little town that's a bit like Hobbiton from Lord of the Rings, you know, in this rolling hills of southwest England, where people mainly are in the business of cider and, and, and that kind of thing. And um, where there is an abundance of realness, there is an abundance of authenticity, I find. Uh, a sort of a lack of pretension in this particular part of the country as well, I find. Not too far away from Stonehenge, about 20 miles away from Stonehenge. Um, so it's a bit of a kind of an old mystic-y part of the UK, which I only recently came home to. And um, when I think about my background in infomercials, for a lot of people, when you think about those ads that you see on TV, and my stateside friends will, will, will know this has been a part of your kind of TV culture since the 80s, since Ronald Reagan lifted the, the standards that allowed us to advertise for more than two or three minutes on TV. You could, you could buy half an hour of airtime and talk about a product for a long period of time. I think a lot of people have opinions about that and advertising and think of it as sort of showy and fake. And certainly for us here in the UK, we were slower to adapt to that style of advertising. And I thought a lot, and I, maybe I'll set a precedent for what we're talking about here today. I thought a lot about why was that? Why were, why were we sort of so resistant to it here in the UK? And it's because, well, we only had stateside as our reference point. So we would watch infomercials made for Americans by Americans. And we would watch that. Now, you have to think what it's like to be part of a tiny little country like ours. Um, we are brought up on a movie culture that is almost solely American-led, comes out of Hollywood. And so for some, I'm Generation X, you know, I'm in my late 40s now. And, and you know, growing up, the films we watched were American films. That, that, that's what we watched all day long. And um, so we knew, we attached the American accent. I only figured this out recently, Christine. We attached the American accent to fiction, right? So you, you watch enough films. When do you hear that voice? When you're watching a story, when you're watching something that isn't real, at least. The story maybe came from somewhere real, but you know you attach that accent to actors. And so then when you, you'd watch an infomercial and you'd get a you know, a, a blonde-haired, white-toothed, huge-smiled uh, spokesperson coming on and going, hey, oh, my God, this product's so good. Um, we, we would go, that that's not real. That's, that's sort of fiction. That's not real. And what I found was there was a big sort of process in the early 90s when shopping telly really hit UK shores. QVC here in the UK was established in 1993. I went to work for them a year later in a, a like a little uh, like a, a short job that I went in to do and then I started working for them full time in 95 literally straight out of college and in those early years there was this massive interpretation which is what a lot of people I think are doing right now there was this m massive interpretation because we didn't have a reference for what this kind of conversation was what this kind of connection was here in the uk we're a very we're good at markets like we, you know we, we like going up to somebody's store and having a look and don't bother me let me look around and if i want it i'll speak to you and you know 
are a market stall nation in some ways here. I think mu much of the world are, are like that. We could go back far enough and market stalls and trading posts was how a lot of business was done. But in terms of TV, we'd only ever really had two minute, one minute, 30 second ads. That was it. And so there was this fascinating period that I was involved with, which was like the how do you interpret, how do we reinterpret what we've been seeing coming out of the States for something that the UK audiences will like and respond to? And so a lot of my early work was involved with observing that and trying to sort of trying to find the truth in that. And as it turned out, we found that the, the closer our presenters got to being relaxed and talking to the lens as if they were talking to a friend over the over the garden fence. That was what they called it, over the garden fence style. Here in the UK, it's a smaller country. We've got still got 60 million people though. So it's a very dense, so our houses are small, everything's packed in, you know, your next door neighbors, I can knock on the wall there and my neighbors will hear it um, because th th we haven't got much space. And so that uh, here there is a culture of sort of, you know, your neighbors, you speak to your neighbors, you can hear them chatting through the walls, you know, that kind of thing. And so, the more that our that our presenters on shopping telly could kind of find their version of real you know their version of, of of real rather than us trying to be the way we see the americans being which is how it all began to begin with and it did not work so i sort of feel like i've been in the truth business and the interpretation and and, and truth business for a long time and so it was very he was very sorry my siri is going crazy here my um my early career was was very much involved with that because here's what i found i'm sorry then I'll, I'll then i'll sort of shut up on my background a little bit but here's what we found was like it's very difficult to for somebody to receive the truth from you if it's not coming through truth which I know sounds obvious and self-evident. But when when we were trying to sell, when we were trying to sell like the Americans sold, as we saw it, when we were trying to be the values we saw conveyed by many of the American hosts, um, it didn't work. And even if they meant it, so even if the, the, the host loved the product and really could see the value of it, there was like a block in place. And so I find that a lot of the work we were doing in those early years that sort of really bedded in then the, the infomercial industry here in the UK as well, was a sort of a letting go rather than a, an adoption or an adoption of all these techniques and strategies and stuff. And so, I found that fascinating. I found it really fascinating early on to see that we were in the business of how can I convey something to you, even if you're hundreds of miles away, thousands of miles away through a lens, it must be true from source for it to be true, truly received. It has to be. Otherwise it's sort of like a signal, the, the signal to noise ratio gets messed up. So if I'm sending a signal, but there's a whole bunch of noise in that as well, by the time it gets to you, the noise is, the interference, the static is too high. So both in technical terms and metaphorically. And so 
I've been fascinated with this with the for the rest of my life. Ever since starting there as an 18-year-old kid working for QVC, the shopping channel, Christine, I I was fascinated by that transference of truth. Now, I, I wouldn't have known that back then if you'd have asked me what I'm in the business of. I'd have told you something like, I love the idea that we can get somebody we don't even know to do something, especially send money. That's fascinating to me. That's what I would have told you, you know, going back all those years, you know, nearly 30 years now. Uh, today, I see that I was fascinated with how do you transfer something true to another human being? And that's what I've been in the business of ever since. That, I, wow, that is such a fascinating way to think about it um, and to talk about it. Because it's funny, I just wrote an email. I just wrote a newsletter yesterday, essentially apologizing to a big portion of my um my readers my list because my emails are not getting through on time if they if you have an apple account and so i have one woman who's emailed me twice now saying you're spamming me i don't but please make, make these emails stop because she's unsubscribed i think seven times and her emails uh, my emails are still showing up for her because they were sent like a month and a half ago and they're just now getting delivered. Wow. And what it's made me think about and what uh, why I'm relating it to this is that in this increasingly wired world and increasingly virtual world, I mean, you and I have never met in person, but we have built, you know, a, a foundation of trust and it's all based on truth and authenticity. Um, and it's it's mediated through these computers and all the airwaves in between. And yeah. so what you, I think that gift that you have and that you're talking about is, is helping people. And it's really, this is applicable to anybody, right? Anybody that does anything virtually is that helping people see each other in a very truthful and authentic way and that's harder and harder to do and it's going to be harder and harder to do and that I authenticity agree. i think that's why it's becoming such a a, a word these days a watchword is that people are realizing if i don't show up authentic authentically it's like the computer magnifies right whatever is going on like this woman doesn't know me she thinks I'm a real pain in the rear right now. And that I'm, you know, I don't know what motive she's ascribing to me to be sending her emails that are a month out of date. Um, but it's, it's, it's like this whole medium is amplifying something and it's amplifying a shadow is the way I put it the other day. And it can amplify the truth too, but only mm. if we start from there. And I so- especially when you consider sort of what we've been through, you know, we're, we're doing this in early 2023. And we've just come through several years of uh, uh, um, an intensification of media and screens, because we, we couldn't go out and meet our friends the way we used to. And so our discernment, our hypersensitivity is up. Isn't it for like, what can I believe what I'm seeing? During that period, we also had some, you know, we had, you know, things like the elections in the US, the and here in the UK, and obviously these things apply rest of world as well. You know, we had 
misinformation and disinformation go skyrocket and so i think there is such a, a yearning a crying out really for for truth and the thing is people aren't getting it it doesn't matter we are yearning for it, it doesn't mean we're going to get it so all that's left is our discernment how how able are we to discern what's real from what's not i'm i'm even my brother's a computer program christine and he uh he, he's developing some of these ai tools and and playing with them and i and i think it's fascinating because he for me it underscores one thing even more which is our ability to discern what's real, what's come from the heart, what's come from the soul of another human being versus what a computer has generated. And I'm not judging what comes out of a computer. Listen, the computer is what's allowing us to have this conversation right now. I think it's neutral. I think technology is neutral. It's us that how we use it that sort of can change those things to my mind. There's no point going, oh, AI is terrible and evil. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I think it, my brother put it brilliantly. I was like, well, help me explain what it is. And he said, look, Coca-Cola didn't take off. I love this. I've got to ascribe this credit to my brother, Michael. He said, Coca-Cola didn't take off because they just delivered this drink to everyone's house. They couldn't do that, especially not in the States, right? You've got a landmass that is billions of square miles, you know, like just, it, it's enormous. But so what enabled Coke to take off? Fridges. Mm. Fridges. And the ability for companies to to be able to, for example, refrigerate a truck, right? And 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 like so it's fridges that helped the passage of things. And I think my brother put it, he said, look, AI is like the fridge, you know, it's just it's gonna help the passage of some things, you know. And um but our ability to discern is what will be the 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 I think the predominant capability now more than ever. Absolutely. And that's also, uh, you know, I just did a talk on Saturn's move into the trop the tropical sign of the zodiac Pisces. And one of the significations of Pisces is delusion and illusion. And, uh, you know, so astrologically again, that's a, a quality that is really coming to the forefront in, in these few years is discernment. And so, mm. yeah, if we just, if we talked about nothing else, but authenticity and discernment, we would be, you know, and if we thought about nothing else, but authenticity and discernment, we'd be ahead of the game right now. Mm. Mm. And I, you know, and it's uh, just a couple more things about this media that we work with is that, and in fact, the last couple of years is that we did see this magnification of all these issues around media and who do you trust? Mm. And depending on, and I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, depending on which side, quote unquote, you were in the COVID discussion, you know, you saw one side as evil and the other side as right and conspiracies on both sides, that sort of thing. And it really did have to come back to your own values and your own authenticity to determine how you were going to navigate. And, yeah. and we saw so much, um, well, and I don't know if this is the same in the UK, but you know, the PR industry was kind of birthed here 
And it was birthed in World War One, and it was all about getting Americans onto the the bandwagon of the war effort, World War One. That's where public relations and propaganda started, at least here. Yeah. I think the Russian Revolution, and there were others that have kind of mastered propaganda, but we don't see the news as propaganda in the U.S. until very recently, just these last couple of years, we saw newscasters as kind of the purveyors of truth because it didn't mm. appear to be an agenda. Mm. And now, of course, most of us know different that that everybody, just about everybody has an agenda. And yeah, so it's very interesting to have this conversation. And it's almost like the question is, what is truth, right? What yeah. is truth and what is authenticity? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm going to go sideways with it because it's at the moment, that's too big a chunk for me to know how to answer. I'm going to go sideways and start with why. Why be truthful? Why be authentic? In a world that seemingly, because let's stack that, let's, let's sort of steel man the other argument for a second. Let's imagine, well, why be authentic? Why? Let's start with appearances. Why, you know, the software now with social media can enable you to look 20 years younger than you are. It can take away all blemishes. Um, momentary snapshots from your life means that you can edit your life to appear, whether unconsciously or deliberately, and a lot of people do it deliberately, to have a, a successful life. And that you can you can do that to for profit. You can do that to, to sell. And people do. In fact, I would say without having any uh, stats and figures to hand to back it up. Most people do that. I've done that. It's easy to do it. It's easy to present something that isn't an accurate depiction of what it is presenting. You know, it's not an accurate depiction. It's a, it's an angle. It's a snapshot. It's a filter. Nowadays you can get, software that I have freely available on my website um, to write articles for you. And I'm fascinated by that. I'm not doing that myself, but I'm fascinated by it. I'm leaning into it because I think before we can, everybody is running for the hills going, you've got to be authentic. We've got a truth, truth matters, be authentic. But we have to fully understand the other side of the story, I think. Like you said earlier, Christine, about the dark, it's like, well, if you're going to, you have to sometimes go into the deepest, darkest part of the forest to really understand the nature of the light. I think it was Carl Jung that put it best, you know, that which you most need to find is found where you least want to look. And where you least want to look is the dark. So before I can say what is truth, which again, I, I'm not even sure I, the, the, the implications of that question terrify me, quite honestly. The let's dive deep into the forest. Why be authentic? What's the benefit? It's not clear. It's not clear, I would say, th the benefits of being authentic. Not yet. I think there are some. Well, let, let's let's look at this, right? So let's steel man the other side of the story. Being unauthentic, kind of faking it till you make it, um, is very easy now. It's easier now than when, when I first came online 
um, after my infomercial career, which actually crossed over. So I was still working in the infomercial career for five or six years whilst I was starting my business now. Um, I was a freelancer in the latter part of my career. So it enabled me this time freedom to start the business. And then I just had none because I was doing both at the same time. <laughs> but um, when I go back to when I first came online, which was late 2004, there was no YouTube. Facebook really wasn't a thing yet. Twitter, I think, was about to be founded. YouTube kicked off in 2005. You know, social media wasn't a thing at all. I think MySpace was established at the time, but there really wasn't forums was the big place people went to chat. It wasn't image based, it was chat based. So it was all determined on the most articulate or, or the most provocative typers <laughs> were, were those that kind of got the attention. And, um, you know, whether you were being authentic wasn't really a thing. It was like, how many people are you upsetting today? Great. Let's let's go after that. You know, it's sort of it was the day of chat forums, chat rooms and chat forums, you know, where you'd follow a thread and the way it would organize on your screen would be like, the, you know, how many people have replied to the thread. Some of you, some of you watching will remember that. Right. And it was kind of the early, early days of this two way communication that we now have. Um, back then, it was it was really easy to fake it online. Because there was no real means of anyone verifying anyone back then. It was just you were who you said you were. And so it was this weird, you know, I think anonymity was king. People just went on forums under weird usernames, said what they wanted to say and got out of there. And if you, you wanted to make money, you could sell anything and say that you were an absolute expert. And the most they would see is a bio and a pic. We didn't have videos online or anything like that. So it was really easy to fake it. And then as we got more and more media rich, bandwidths went up, you know, you could post videos and all these kind of things. Then you gained massively by faking it. Massively. I did this. Part of my relationship with authenticity and truth is because I used to be untruthful. I used to be inauthentic. Um, I used to be a liar. And it was my relationship with that and, and becoming somebody who turned away from that path that really awakened me to the idea of authenticity. This is not something I, I talk about with people from a, from a you know, a, a, some pedestal. You know, I, I benefited massively from, whilst not overtly lying all the time, allowing you to assume certain things that were beneficial to me, which is a version of filters, as far as I'm concerned. It's a version of masks, but filters is the, you know, you can tweak the dial on that app and make the filter just believable enough. And if somebody wants to make an assumption based on that filter about your relative stature and look and grace and all that, let them. To me, that's nowadays, that's still lying. Um, misdirecting, you know, all these kind of things. So it was the benefits of inauthenticity are measurable. 
They are marked and measurable. You can, hey, does anyone live near you who's got a fancy house and a cool car parked outside? Well, go by, take a quick pic of yourself in front of that house with that car. You know, take a few maybe. You don't even have to pay any money to do that. And suddenly you can be putting forward an image that is beneficial. Is your house generally drab and a little bit dull and boring, but you've got a corner where you've got some exotic stuff and you can sort of take a photo in front of that, you know, and, and or do your videos in a particular location that you can let people assume is your fancy office. But actually, it's the posh library down the road that has mahogany inlays and things like that. Listen, there are that is the majority of the way that a lot of people benefit from authenticity. Oh, sorry, inauthenticity, right? Is that they'll, whilst they won't out and out say, this is my home, they'll allow you to make assumptions based upon what you're seeing. And that's only, that's only gonna, that's only gonna increase. That's only gonna increase. And so the benefits of it are massive. People do it because it works. I, I think this has its roots going back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I know it's a different subject, but we could delve into the, uh, I, uh, and I, I know very little about it, but I have consulted for a number of cosmetics and makeup companies. Bare Minerals, uh, one of the companies that I know has a, has a base in the US as well. Um, and we, we could talk about that there, there are some, there are certainly some roots of inauthenticity and sort of like, oh, look, I'm able to, I'm able to change my appearance and highlight certain factors of myself using, you know, pigments. Is that inauthentic? I don't know. It, it could be, a, we could be here for weeks discussing such things. And all I know is there is a benefit, marked benefit to, what would you call it? Manipulating the fabric of reality, both physically you know, I put on a suit jacket here, although it's still scruffy underneath, but even the suit jacket, well, is it me? No, it's a, it's a clothing choice, but there'll be a part of your brain that sort of says, oh, he's wearing a suit jacket. We'll make all sorts of things about that. Part of the reason I then mix it up with a bunch of crazy looking stuff is deliberately to mess with that, right? Because I could quite easily have come on a conversation like this with a tie and a shirt on and what would that do to your sense of me it would manipulate it right is it me i don't know i don't know the answer to that question all i know is that human beings have as 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 part of the great eight family we all of us in this family are in the business of sort of using our environment using relationships using uh, grabbing every advantage we can to present ourselves in a higher status to get validation from from peers around us to gain significance to gain power and so i think a lot of that could be and i think we're in this era now of like questioning well what counts as inauthentic versus the exploitation of, a, of an opportunity. Well, it's it's tricky line, isn't it, Christine? It's a tricky line. Um, but I think we have to go fully into that before we can start to say, well, what is authentic? What is authentic? 
it's a it's a hard one why be authentic when the rewards of inauthenticity seem much greater and quicker gained yeah and and it's interesting to listen to you say all this because um well two reasons i have a lot of thoughts about that whole you know thousands of years and the whole painting the face and all that and and of course in a way we need people and in fact, this is when you and I talk about grandiosity. We need people that are bigger than life, right? We need, we don't have gods anymore, at least in our culture. And mm. we kind of need them. We need people to project onto. And I think that whole makeup, you know, you think about the shaman or some of those roles that were played in cultures that are still played, but not as overtly now. So mm. we need that. But what I wanted to come back to now is that, you know, I've worked with you now for about a year, been to your various programs and done the coaching. Um, and what has struck me over and over and over is how much you focus on people taking off the masks. Yeah. And every time I've said, well, I don't know how to do such and such, and I don't know how to speak about such and such. And I want to tell, you know, I want to help people do this, but I don't have it yet. Your answer is always tell them the truth, tell them the truth, tell them the, tr the truth. And so it's fascinating to hear about the benefits of inauthenticity, because I think that's what most of us think, right? I have to fake it. I have to look good. I have to project a certain image. Um, and then we think that if we people knew the truth about us, then they wouldn't want to come to us as business people. And... The other thing, that the word that keeps playing in my head is you're talking about authenticity and inauthenticity. Authenticity is vulnerable, right? Mm. When you're, when I'm like who I really am and I'm telling you what, you know, that, no, I'm not, I'm not a rich, I'm not wealthy. You know, I'm not a wealthy astrologer. I don't have a big house. I have a little tiny apartment. I don't have a fancy car. My car is like 20 years old. It's it, and it works great. I love it, but it's 20 years old. You know, so so, and it's vulnerable to say that because then you think, oh, what are people going to think? Or they why should they listen to me if I'm not like this big successful, mm. right? And so, but this is what you specialize in and so this is really one i i i mean why do you do it right why do you tell people to tell the truth and be authentic yeah okay so that's a that's a question why do it because it comes back to discernment there is our ability to discern on the outside is severely limited if we can't discern on the inside first so I think what I'm helping people to do at some level is to develop inner discernment. Now, out of that will still come moments of deception, whether witting or unwitting. But when I'm talking about truth and somebody bringing a meaningful message to market, which is what I'm doing when I'm making gurus, I'm obviously not in some workshop putting together like Pinocchio, these gurus, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to help somebody who has something meaningful and real to say, to bring that into the light to, to become a, a, a beacon of that, to help other people. And to, if you cannot discern truth from fiction in yourself, 
I'll give you an example. I remember <laughs> I used to lie so much. And I remember years and years ago, I was in my 20s. So this is several, this is really going back like 25 years. And I remember that I would lie so much about the fact that I've been to Disney World in Florida. Disney World, Disneyland, one of them, whichever one's in Florida. And I would, I, and I, I went through school telling all my friends, and we were poor, we grew up really poor. We couldn't afford big holidays. First big holiday we went on was when I was about 10, 11 years old. Um, and prior to that, never went anywhere. So I would tell my friends all through school, oh yeah, you know, during the summer holidays, what do you do? And I was like, yeah, I went to Disney World, Disney World, Disney World. And I'd sort of, I'd get really good at, explaining to them what it was like and find like little details to tell them so that it was more and more believable. And uh, years and years I'd tell this lie. And I remember telling it to uh, a girlfriend when I got into my twenties and I was like, yeah, I went to Disneyland and I stopped and I went, Oh no. Oh no, no, sorry. I haven't. And she's like, what do you mean? Why do you say that? And I had to sort of, it was highly embarrassing. And I said, I told this lie so much during my childhood, I even believe it. I even believe it. And then I realized, and I was just like, oh no, I actually haven't, have I? And that that occurred to me. And it, it's, the discernment has to, has to be strong within, you know? And so the, why be authentic? Why help people be authentic? It's because, in a world where meaning is low, people are searching for meaning everywhere. The, the, now more than ever, with so much doubt and this, everything outside in our world is, is up for question. Everything. Everything that we used to be rely on. Oh, we know if our if our if our president says they're going to do this, they'll they'll do it. You know, or if our company leaders say they're going to do this, they'll do this. Or if our schools say and organisations and institutions, you know, then we can we can rely on that. There's very little we can rely on and trust. If you can't trust yourself either, that's a that's a that's a torturous place to be in. Yeah. And so for me, the benefits of inner authenticity is starts with being able to discern truth from fiction within yourself, really be able to discern that. And it's not a light switch. It's not something you just do one day. It's a, it's a continual process. And it, it, the irony has never lost on me because for someone that is, is helping my clients with this, I have to sort of overdose on, on it. I have to be constantly discerning um, and challenging my clients to do the same. And to me, the benefit outweighs any benefit from inauthenticity. It outweighs any benefit, which is know thyself. Yeah, which that, is that doesn't always make the most money, though, right? It doesn't always sell the biggest tickets, right? But what it does do is then enables. Sorry to interrupt you. I, I, it, what it, what it then does do is enable those moves you do make 
to be so much more richly powerful, I find. Well, and, you know, it's uh, thinking about, again, you know, things I've heard you say, and then looking out there at who's out there. I wonder if, maybe this is not less of a, a direct question, but I wonder if, and I'm curious what your experience is, that in a time when people are starting to crave that meaning and crave that authenticity and crave people they can trust, including themselves, I wonder if we're seeing or more benefit, for lack of a better word, to being authentic. In other words, the people that are are really going to have more success and however they define that over the coming years are the people that are truthful and authentic because i think people are it seems like people are starting to see through the ways in which we all make ourselves look better because you know in the end we're all just human beings like trying to make it make it the best way we know how yeah i think i wish i was as I'm, I'm, I think I'm probably slightly more cynical at the moment about where we are. I think we're probably at the beginning of that wave. I think it will be hitting over the next decade. I think it will come slower than we probably would like. Um, because I think the truth tellers are currently being stoned, ridiculed. Yeah. Um, Deplatformed, deplatformed in the in the. So, unfortunately, I think there are enough individuals out there with enough self discernment to go. All right, I, I've I've come to terms with my own light and dark. I I believe I can discern between the two, and I am on a continuous path of what do you call it? It's not battle between the two, but just of finding some equilibrium. You know, I think of the yin yang, uh, you know. Yep. Um, and I think I have something to say that is meaningful. And I think at the moment, a lot of people that are doing that and doing it from that place of truth are actually being punished the most right now. And I think it's going to be at least another five, 10 years before that tide turns. But they are also being massively rewarded. So I can think of a few, few names, you know, that of people, one of whom I, I traveled to Ireland to hear uh, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson speak um, just a couple of months, a uh, month before I got married last September. And um, it, it was, I mean, I won't comment on what I felt about the presentation, but it did stand to me that when I got to the O2 in Dublin, it was packed. It was packed. And, and, and I think it was packed out to hear somebody who at least has been trying to do sort of what we're talking about here. Um, and um, so there are reward there are definitely those who are being rewarded for it. another person I, I i find that i enjoy uh watching is russell brand who has a very popular youtube channel for example and so you know there's the, is there reward there yeah for sure um 
but there are consequences. There are still very severe consequences for the truth tellers at the moment. And there are almost no no negative consequences for the liars. And so simple math shows us that sort of the, the inauthentic path is still an easier and to some extent externally more rewarding path at the moment i know this doesn't paint a very positive picture for 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 authenticity and we're here to talk about it but i think this maps alongside what you said about this era we're coming into astrologically of of the authenticity and it's like these tides take a while to turn you know one train is slowing down which is the age of image as I think of it, the age of image or, or the the age of facade, you know, the age of, I, I would, I, I, you know, Christine, I collect first edition and early edition books from the personal development industry and the kind of the success business. And one early book I have, and I think it's somebody who certainly in the, in the US pioneered this, uh, P.T. Barnum. I have a really early edition of a, of a P.T. Barnum uh, uh, book. And I think, what they did really well was establish the show, the facade, you know, and this was obviously recently made popular with the, the greatest showman film with, with uh, Hugh Jackman. And, um, but so we've had for a couple of hundred years, this kind of like the facade, the success business, you know, the kind of, and it's the, it's the show, the show business. And we, and I, coincidentally, it may even have been a conversation you and I were having about this, that, that um, that's also where we're seeing it be cracked and prodded the most. So a lot of the scandals around the, the, that came from Me Too, for example, they ha often have their roots in music and movies, right? The, the absolute epitome of show business absolute epitome of it and it has its roots there it comes out of there why well that's all about image it's all about show so yeah there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack <laughs> and i'm well, looking for when authenticity will become as rewarding in every way as inauthenticity is yeah i have like two major threads i want to follow one is that i did a uh workshop about well at the end of 2020 and looking at some of the astrological alignments of 2020 and what was coming in this next few years and when i started doing the research i realized that one of the big alignments we had in january of 2020 which of course was you know at least correlates with all the craziness of the last few years it we had not had that exact alignment or that sort of set up uh, since the year 1284 Whoa. yeah it, it, i mean it's that you know we're talking about big cycles and when i went back and thought well what okay so what happened in that time period well we had the plague came in that time period and then shortly after came the inquisition and it has felt like in some ways we're in an echo of the inquisition these last couple of years yeah. and those of us that do something that's a little bit odd, you know, like astrology and the healing and that um, are kind of in that world of um, outside the mainstream, 
it's scary, right? It's been scary because as my mentor, my astrology mentor, Emily Trinka says, she says, I've been telling clients for a long time that it's safe now. It's safe to be your, your heretic self. It's safe. You know, there we're out of the burning times. That was hundreds of years ago. And yet we're seeing people publicly burned at the stake and put in the stocks, really put in the stocks. It's more like it to, for people to throw rotten fruit at or take a swing at or whatever. Um, and so it's interesting to me that we're in that echo. Mm. And my, uh, this is just my little thing. My, my, my quote for the time is misinformation is the new heresy, right? That's, we called it misinformation. Actually, they started calling it disinformation. And then the people that coined that term realized that that was too harsh and people weren't buying it. So they switched it to misinformation, <laughs> it's a PR move in my mind. Yeah, yeah. And, and yet we're, and, and it's, you're starting to see that calm down a little bit because there's more room now for some of the conversations that weren't, there was no room for. But, you know, what I want to ask you more directly is that you, you still teach people, your coaching is very much about growing up right? Get rid of all the ways that you're hiding and all the, like the childish ways that you hide and, and be authentic and get out there and tell the truth. And I know that I've heard you say that that's what makes the real gurus. Mm. So I want to kind of wrap this up with, and with kind of um, coming back to what is the advantage of telling the truth? What is the advantage of authenticity? What have you seen? How have you seen that work and be? Yeah, yeah that's a good question. Well, firstly, the way I've seen it work, I think the biggest rewards in many ways are found from within. So where it works at best is people making more or easier money from that feels good going back to the infomercial days and the home shopping tv days it was always we always were saying like we're not going to force anyone to buy we're just going to ask them to buy like like hey do you like the look of this buy it and we we want it to feel good for everyone involved you know and I think that happens when somebody feels that somebody is really thinking of them and offering, making an offer that, that they've really considered and that they've considered their response to the offer and whether they say yes. And that, that, that only happens when two, that only happens well when you have two adults. It, it only happens well. You know, I, again, I hearken back to the work of, you know, Dr. Eric Byrne and, and psychodynamics. You know, if you've got a, we, we've come a lot from sort of parents selling to children. I mean, metaphorically rather than literally, obviously, you know, and I, and I think it, it, it's like, yeah. for somebody that's not going to feel good. You know, for somebody that's not going to feel good. And, and, and usually the child is just going to react against that. Um, Here's the benefit. Uh, for the for the 20 plus years I've been doing this and prior to that working in the shopping telly industry, what I found is, is that people don't like selling. 
people don't like selling and i've always been fascinated by that why 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 don't people like selling what is going on and and it comes down i think to now i've got a pretty simple answer to it it's because the, the either like the, their discernment is off they don't like selling because their discernment's off and i and i think if if you don't like selling at any level if you've made an offer and you don't like so you didn't like some aspect of that making an offer to somebody for anything it could be buying your double glazing service you know or you're buying your plumbing service or whatever it doesn't matter what it is or in my industry it's usually we're selling information and skills and and and, and insight and these kind of things whatever if you don't feel good it, there was something in that that wasn't true it's that simple there was something in there where that you there was a there was a lie told or there was a misdirect or there was a with withholding or that something took place and i know that it is possible to sell without that i learned that before i even came into the personal professional spiritual development industry when i was selling fake diamonds openly fake diamonds mind you and food processors on tv um you know it, it doesn't matter it's sort of you can feel you can feel really good about what you're selling if it if if your discernment is on you know if you if you're not telling a lie and the minute you're telling a lie usually is something something it shows where you know people can smell it and it, and and the customer has to be in on that agreement as well the customer has to be on in on that agreement they they they're, they're not you know this kind of victim of the sales message and you know they're, they're a part of it you asked a really good question i've gone way off topic here um it's something about what are the rewards right like what are the rewards for authenticity everything feels right and i'm going to use some language that probably is a little dead nowadays but i like i said i read a lot of early edition books from our industry in particular and i come back to one of the arguably the the book that sort of started it all in terms of our industry commercially speaking anywhere I mean, we've been sharing advice and wisdom for thousands of years, going back to Socrates and Confucius and, and prior to that. But the commercialization of the advice business and the wisdom sharing business probably happened somewhere around the early 1800s. It's, it's a new business. And I, um, prior to that, people would write it down and they would hand it on. They would kind of do it in a journaling way. and But they weren't doing it for profit and fun. You know, they were doing it to you know marcus aurelius passed on his wisdom in in writing but it wasn't to, to earn a decent living and to, to attract a crowd of followers or subscribers you know but self-help the book by samuel smiles written in 1859 i've got a i've got a first edition copy of it just downstairs and it and, and i love going to it because the the subtitle of the book in its original form was character and conduct character and conduct two words that i don't think we use very much anymore and i really like them christine i really like them because to me it comes down to the simplicity of the idea that you get to sleep really well comfortable with who you are with a firm knowledge of who you are in all your dynamic and changing magnificence and i think to those who can get in touch with their realness there comes a peace and sense of moral stability with oneself and one's character 
that I think can't be found from the opposite path. And that to me is what then goes on to become a beacon. These are the pe people that are, that are concerned with their conduct and with their character, which was the subtitle of self-help on character and conduct, um, was interested in, was like, who are you? And most people, I say most people, let me speak for myself. For so long, I could not answer that. There's a factor in the big five personality, which psychiatrists use and psychologists use to sort of be able to predict certain behaviors about people. And it's thought that people who are very high in openness and, and, and you know, it, which is a, a, one of the kind of established traits of human beings, which is a, a kind of a part of our creative faculties and people who are um, uh, very high in, in this trait openness, along with a sort of a mixture of some of the others, the extroversion, neuroticism, so our tendency to experience negative emotion and how agreeable we are as well. Very highly agreeable people often have trouble arriving at a sense of themselves because they're often kind of in dynamics with others around them, right? disagreeable people almost stereotypically we go i am who i am and screw anyone who tells me otherwise you know and so i think more than ever now being able to arrive at a sense of who you are that is may not or may not be permanent because we change but being able to arrive at that and be at peace with that to accept it, to welcome it in, allows for a detachment from seeking that outside of ourselves. And I think that brings with it a power that can create legacy content and, 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 and hand down value for others. And I think even if you look historically, is something that is looked up to cross-culturally. It is, it is often the quality that we, we assign to our leaders. You know, I've been listening to Hamilton a lot recently, the musical based upon your founding fathers. And it is, it's fascinating to me, especially George Washington's decision not to continue, you know, to relinquish power. That fascinates me and and to to know oneself enough to be willing after however many years he was you know presiding over your new nation to go no you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna as the as the song goes i'm gonna teach them how to say goodbye you know by relinquishing the power it just gives me shivers it's sort of that that level of character and conduct it's why it shines as a shining beacon for your country. It's why some of the decisions Winston Churchill made here and a lot of what he exemplifies acts as a beacon for us still, you know, all these years later. And it's, it's I think, a malady of our times that there are fewer and fewer examples of character and conduct that are utter beacons. 
I am looking in perhaps a more humble way, not with political leaders, but with those with magnificent ideas to share, to help them do that from a place of aligned character and conduct. Wow. And that to me is that's, uh, yeah, that's coming back to natural wisdom and claiming it, you know, your own yourself. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. That's a good place to end. <laughs> cool. That's a good place to end. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we could probably talk for another hour easily, but <laughs> to not overwhelm, maybe we'll just have to do this again at some we'll point. Do a part two. Yeah, we'll, we'll do, do a part, part two. two. Well, yeah. that was quite conceptual, wasn't it? Big and conceptual and big picture, but we could probably, I, I love that you finished with the natural wisdom because maybe that's it. Right. If I can just say that, like you talk about natural wisdom, it, this is something you opened my eyes to recently. This idea of being aware of patterns and cycles outside of and influences outside of oneself. And, and there's something about that sort of arriving back into, as you have said, and I know being who you're here to be and doing what you're here to do, which is such a, a beautiful refinement of this idea that we're talking about. And I think when that, that natural wisdom, when we can just let go of everything that prevents us, we're already in it. I think we're already in touch with it. It's just the noise in the way, the more we can let go and listen to our natural wisdom. The, I think the more character and proper character and proper conduct is revealed. Yeah. 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 I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for being willing to have this wild, fascinating conversation with me. And it's fun. I enjoyed it. I find that some of my best conversations recently are when it's you and I talking. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's the authenticity piece, I think. Yeah. yeah um, right. Do you have any announcements or anything that you want to share before we finish? I have one quick one, but I want to give you a chance. To, do you have anything coming up that you want to mention? I don't, well, I mean, there's always things in the pipeline and stuff, but I don't, I don't, um, if anyone wants to sort of check me out, they can, they can check out my site. I'm it's, I usually go sort of seasonally, Christine, as you know, so there, there'll definitely be things coming up and we've got some exciting events. I say we, me, there's, there's many of me inside my head developing these things. But uh, yeah, I've got a couple of events, um, including my my kind of flagship event. It's called Guru Maker. Now, that'll be coming up much later in 2023, depending when somebody's watching this. And I usually do that just once a year. So that'll probably be coming up much later in the year. But yeah, best thing for somebody to do is go to imakegurus.com and just get on the notification list. Join my list and you'll be subject to various occasional rants and invites to you know free masterclasses and things on if you like this kind of topic you you might quite like those and you also i should mention too that you have um a facebook site what's your what's your business facebook <laughs> that's such a good question i have no idea i have no idea i've got so many facebook groups and stuff if someone wants to come check me out just just put in James Denica Lavers into Facebook and make friends with me. I'm almost at my friend limit though, for whatever that's worth. So another thing to do is come join me. I've got a group 
So for subscribers and customers and clients only, and it's called The Group by by James Danica Lavers. So you can punch that in and join for free. There's no charge or any, you know, it's just a, it's it's where I sort of let people know what I'm thinking and what's going on and what maybe could help them from time to time. And you, yeah, I know you've done about, I think it's like 250 or 260 short videos on marketing and business. They ain't short. They're not short. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if you, if you, if you just search for James Lavers, so my old name, I only recently got married, my old name, James Lavers, um, you'll find a Facebook page. And that's, I, I use that as like the archive of all the live videos I've done talking about marketing, which to me is, as Christine said, connection, it's connection. And, and the, the better you get at telling the truth, the better your marketing will get. And uh, so yeah, there's hours and hours, if you want to binge watch without spending a penny, pretty much anything I've ever talked about is in those videos, there's just a lot of them. So they go back to 2014, or whenever Facebook let us start doing lives 2015, I think it was. Um, yeah, there's quite a few of them. But you can, I don't know, grab a bowl of popcorn, <laughs> settle back. I'll get I'll find I'll go look it up. And I'll put a link in the description. And just um, from my end, uh, I've got a workshop coming up on the equinox, the afternoon of March 20th. And it's about the planet Pluto, which is the great destroyer big disruptor and it's moving into the sign of Aquarius for just a very brief period this year what will that mean oh it means all the things that we're talking about what is truth what is authenticity technology is likely up for some big disruptions because Pluto tends to bring things up from the shadows and expose them and just as an example when Pluto first moved into Capricorn in 2008 that's when we had the big, great crash, the big financial crash here. Yeah. And it because Capricorn was exposed. Something big yeah. was exposed. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, it, it'll be back and forth for the next couple of years, but I think we'll start to get a taste of it. And I think we are, you know, in a way already starting to get that. I'm getting on that one. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much, James, for joining me. This has been just a treat. Thank you so much, Christine. All right. And I'll see you all in the next episode, which is a couple of weeks away.